Welcome to the podcast at Live Edge for October 10th, 2022. My name is Dan and we're going to be talking about some awesome things that are happening in the music industry, past, present, and future. So let's get started. The great rock band Aerosmith found out on this day in music history in 1977 that you can be on top of the world and still learn a painful and humbling lesson while you're on stage. Aerosmith was playing a gig in Philadelphia and heading back on stage to perform the encore. You could hear the chanting and the excitement and the chaos and the revelry in the audience as the band is walking back on stage. And all of the sudden, a cherry bomb goes off. I kid you not. An M80 firecracker is thrown directly at the band while they're walking on stage from a fan in the audience and blood shooting everywhere from Steven Tyler's face, from Joe Perry's arm, they immediately head to the emergency room. The band suffered physical injuries and had to get off of the road for a while as they recuperated. When they were back on the road, Aerosmith would not come back to Philadelphia for a long time. So what precipitated this event, and how did Aerosmith find themselves in the situation where bombs are literally being thrown at them at their own show? Well, in 1977, Aerosmith was on top of the world. In 75, Toys in the Attic came out, and in 76, Rocks came out. And some huge, huge Aerosmith hits were on these albums. You had Walk This Way, you had Sweet Emotion, you had Back in the Saddle, just to name a few. And Aerosmith had to continue touring and continue releasing music to capitalize off of the momentum they were receiving for rocks. Columbia Records wanted the band back in the studio immediately. And so in June of 77, They headed to New York City and to a convent that had been abandoned to work on their fifth album. Their producer brought in all of this equipment into the convent, and Aerosmith would be able to write and record in that area without any deadlines. So Aerosmith was in a perfect position to create the superstar album that they were due to create. What would come from this recording session was an album called Draw the Line, In Rolling Stone magazine, Billy Altman wrote in 78 that Draw the Line is a truly horrendous record. Chaotic to the point of malfunction and with an almost impenetrably dense sound adding to the confusion, this album shows the band in a state of shock, caught for the first time in the quandary of the meaningful encore. In his 2014 memoir, Rocks, Joe Perry wrote that While they were doing Draw the Line in the studio, they were all together and yet totally apart. He had said that when it came to writing, it felt like we were trying to squeeze toothpaste out of an empty tube. He also said in the same memoir, a year or two ago, we had been musicians fooling around with drugs. Now we were druggies fooling around with music. It's also important to note that Aerosmith at this time is widely regarded by the critical element of the music community to be Led Zeppelin wannabes and simply copying Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin writes an album with heavy rock riffs, and so Aerosmith will do the same. That is what 
these successful albums had received and Aerosmith's less successful albums, like Draw the Line, which only went double platinum, also received that similar criticism. Now, you have to look at a situation like this, an Aerosmith, and you wonder if drugs was the reason that the band was not able to achieve that next level of superstardom. Maybe they had plateaued and they had achieved the level that they were destined to be at. Maybe the band knew that they had achieved a level of superstardom that they would never be able to make everyone happy. It's stories like this that I think of when I read this headline about Lizzo playing a 200-year-old crystal flute and receiving nothing but hate online for it. I know it sounds far-fetched, but in the Library of Congress in D.C., there is a collection of 1,700 flutes, and these are all historically important flutes, one of which belonged to President James Madison. And when Lizzo was heading to Washington, D.C. to play her gig, (laughs) her gig, to play her concert, She was invited via Twitter to see the world's largest flute collection and play a few of them. Now, some donors that give their flutes that have historical significance to the Library of Congress ask that they must be played occasionally to make sure that they are still in working condition. And she came in and saw James Madison's crystal flute and asked if she could perform with it on stage. While on stage playing James Madison's flute, Lizzo twerked and then promptly said, history is freaking cool, you guys. Now, when Lizzo did this, she immediately received a lot of online hate, mostly from conservative Twitter accounts and people that are you know, just not fans of Lizzo looking for reasons to put down Lizzo, in my opinion. Now, I think that Lizzo understands something that Aerosmith maybe struggled with while they were writing Draw the Line in 77. Because every account of what was going on in the studio in 77 with Aerosmith shows the band in total disarray and lacking focus and direction. Whereas Lizzo understands that when she achieves that level of superstardom where you're not going to make everyone happy, you might as well do the things that you want to do for yourself so that those people that are fans of your music can engage in the music that you're working on. Lizzo classically trained on the flute at the University of Houston, and she understands that if a young girl is seeing Lizzo, who is a popular entertainer, play the flute, they might be more encouraged to pick up the flute themselves or whatever musical instrument that they are looking to perform with. I think that's the difference between Aerosmith at the height of their power and Lizzo at the height of her power. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a huge Lizzo fan. I know maybe three songs by her. I just know what's popular on the radio. But I think that what she stands for and what she represents is something that a lot of people struggle with. And her message is so positive and uplifting that I think it's important I stop and read what she is in the news for. Yesterday, October 9th, 2022, was the birthday of music legend John Lennon. And I was reading about John Lennon, and he 
found out that he had a personal jukebox in tow, um, a Swiss-made KB Discomatic that he acquired in 65 and put 40 of his most beloved and favorite 45s to keep with him at all times while he was on tour. And, you know, the history of it is that the jukebox was, after his death, surfaced and was sold at Christie's. And so the promoter actually restored the the jukebox to mint condition, researched the discs inside, and... Uh, you know, it was actually pretty cool because Lennon had written handwritten notes on all of the 45s that were inside of the jukebox. And so you actually have notes from the music legend talking about his favorite music. And so there was a documentary about the jukebox in 04. And I just think it's so fascinating to take a look at these songs and to learn a little bit about what was inspiring and influencing him. I mean... I think the most, I mean, I can even just list off a couple of these songs. We've got In the Midnight Hour by Pickett, Rescue Me by Fontella Bass, The Tracks of My Tears, My Girl, One, Two, Three by Len Berry, High Heel Sneakers by Tommy Tucker, The Walk by Jimmy McCracklin, Gonna Send You Back to Georgia by Timmy Shaw. These are all fantastic songs. I think for me, it's really how how wide the inspirations like how, how wide they span across music and across genre i mean it's really fascinating to me that you've got motown in here as well as rock and you've got rhythm and it's it's fantastic so i think when we post this uh this podcast we're going to also post the list of songs that you can listen to Uh, in a playlist on Spotify. Happy birthday, John. Thanks so much for everything you did for the world of music. This has been the podcast for October 10th, 2022. I hope you've enjoyed listening and I hope you have a fantastic week. I'll catch you next time. Thanks so much.